Hello and welcome into the Royal Report where we talk anything and everything Sacramento Kings basketball. This is the first episode of the Royal Report podcast, our season preview episode. It is Tuesday, October 17th. The NBA season starts today and the Sacramento Kings season starts tomorrow at home against the Portland Trailblazers. It feels like the millionth time in a row we've opened against the Trailblazers, but here we are again. It's an important game because we'll probably be contending against them for a, a play-in spot. But before we get into previewing the season, I would just like to say that you can find the audio version of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and some other places that you find podcasts that I'm not going to list. Uh, if you are listening to the audio version of the podcast, you can hop over to YouTube at the Royal Report on YouTube and see my beautiful face while listening to this podcast. Uh, also, I'd like to say that I am doing a watch party tomorrow on Wednesday live here on YouTube. I should be able to stream. I've requested access to stream on YouTube because I just made this channel, so you have to do that. But I should get that in 24 hours, which is enough time uh, so if you want to come hang and while you're watching the Kings game and chat with me then uh, yeah welcome to do so subscribe and turn on notifications for that so now that uh, that's out of the way let's get into previewing the Kings season I think the first thing we need to talk about when we're talking about the the Kings season is what is a successful season what is the goal because obviously this is a team built to win now, kind of. Um, and so a successful season, I would say, is the plan. I think other people would say the playoffs. It's playoffs or bust. I wouldn't necessarily go that far. But if this team doesn't start making progress from last season, then honestly, you could see this team get blown up before even like halfway in this season or at the trade deadline because when you look at the contracts for this team Sabonis is on a two-year deal right and um, you can't trade Halliburton and then have Sabonis leave after two seasons for nothing with nothing to show for it and so if if it doesn't seem like this team is going to work um you could see it blown up pretty early because Barnes is obviously only on a one year one. He only has one year left on his deal. Um, and those are two key components to this team, obviously. So that's kind of looking at it in a negative way. Like if it goes poorly, what's going to happen? And that is the risk that Monty McNair took when trading for Sabonis and obviously trading a young piece for Sabonis. You, know, you have to see success in this upcoming uh, season because if you don't then you're you've lost the chance for getting a high pick in a good draft and you might lose Sabonis for free the season after this uh, which is just pretty unthinkable to be honest but that's looking at it you know like I said in a negative way if you look at it in a more positive way you know if you make the play in it's possible, you know, to make the playoffs from that pretty easily, right? You know, you just need to win two games if you're in the 9-10 spot. And I think that is a realistic 
goal for the Kings to make the plan because when you look at the West, you know, if, if you're dividing it up into kind of the tiers, right, I think there's 11 teams that are realistically contending for 10 spots, right, because you have the Spurs, the Rockets, the Thunder, and the Jazz all, they're tanking for Victor, right, um, tanking for Victor and Scoot Henderson, um, I don't think that any of those, those GMs will let their team win a lot of games, you know, they will shut their stars down, if they have stars, um, and so other than that, right, it's, it's the Trailblazers, the Kings, the Lakers, I think those are the three teams that people kind of have at the bottom of the, of the conference contending for the play-in spots. I think at the top of the, the conference, the teams that kind of, no matter what, are going to be good, no matter, you know, even if they have injuries type thing that are going to be good, I think it's the Clippers, I think it's the Warriors, I think probably the Nuggets, I mean, if Jokic gets injured, I think they'll still be good. The Grizz, you know, they showed last season they could win without Jaw. Maybe the Pelicans, because they have a lot of good pieces, but but maybe not. Obviously, the Suns are still there, um, but the vibes are really bad around the Suns. We'll see what happens with them. Then you have the Mavs, right? Kind of the tier below. The Mavs are a team that, I mean, one injury in their season is done, is how I see it. Luka gets injured, it's done. Timberwolves are a wait-and-see team, I think. Um, and then there are obviously, the, like I said, the Trailblazers, the Lakers, um, which are two teams that I think the Kings can definitely be better than, regardless of injuries. If there are no injuries, then I think the Kings can still be better than those teams. The rest of the teams, if they don't have injuries, the Kings are probably not going to be better than. You know, I'm talking about injuries so much. And I think when you look at things from like a, a national perspective, kind of an unbiased fans perspective, you're kind of, you're not really looking at like, well, if this team gets injured or if this guy gets injured, where will this team be? You're kind of just looking at everyone healthy, which roster is better than which. But as a Kings fan, it's kind of sad, but like, I have to like look at things like maybe if this guy gets injured, that's our way in. <laughs> and that's sad to think about because obviously you don't want anyone to get injured. But you know, the, the Kings also can't have anyone get injured. And I'll get it, into this a little more later when we look ahead at the, the Kings Trailblazers game a little more in depth. But Keegan Murray probably won't play due to health and safety protocols. And it's kind of given me a little bit of flashbacks to, you know, DeMarcus Cousins' meningitis season um, when, you know, it's like there's finally hope and then DeMarcus Cousins gets meningitis, Mike Malone gets fired, and uh, everything falls apart. And it's like kind of this, not the same thing. I don't think it'll be the same thing, but, it, you know, it gets me a little worried because, you know, everything's kind of looking positive into the season. People are positive about the Kings. And then Keegan Murray's in health and safety protocols. It's like, do things fall apart? 
Probably not. I don't, you know, because he'll probably just get out of health and safety protocols, maybe miss one, two games, and then we'll be fine. But I can't help but kind of kind of think about that. And another thing I wanted to talk about was the national attention that, you know, the some of the media is giving the Kings. You know, it's not a lot, but it's more than than usual than the usual amount I guess because I feel like I've seen so many um you know big national media people trying to like hop on the king's bandwagon like before it's really hopping on the bandwagon you know like I feel like everyone wants to be like early to be like I was with the kings before they were really good (laughs) um because it's like if you can say that then like that's crazy. Wow, you actually liked the Kings before they were good. But at the same time, it's just <laughs> it might just lead to more disappointment. But I, I guess, you know, I guess I, I wanted... I always want more national attention for the Kings, but now that it's kind of here, I don't love it. But, uh, you know, if we're, if we're recapping a expectations for the Kings this season, I think we can... I think the expectations are the 9 or the 10 seed, realistically, you know, and there, there's always a, a, a good surprise, maybe a few, you know, of teams that move up in the standings and a few bad, bad teams, bad surprises, you could say. Um, and so we just got to hope the Kings are a good surprise, you know, maybe get up to the, I mean, I don't want to say get up to the 6 seed, you know, but uh, get up to the 7-8 game instead of the 9-10 game in the plan. But I, I'm just happy with the plan, you know. I'm I'm not trying to ask for too much here. Um, but uh, let's let's look a little deeper into the roster. And and before we we talk about you know kind of each position, I'll go position by position for the Kings roster. I want to touch on on one like talking point that I feel like I, a lot of media has about the Kings, and it's like too many guards. I haven't heard it as much lately, but it's definitely a thing, right? Too many guards. We don't have too many guards. We have six guards, right? Three point guards, three shooting guards. There are 15 roster spots. There are five positions. There are two guard positions. So if you know, if you're doing the math here, that is the perfect amount of guards. And I'm not counting two-way players, of course, for roster spots. Um, I think people just aren't used to Kings having depth, and so then they're like, what's happening? And I get, you know, the wing position is lacking compared to the guard position, but what are we really expecting the Kings to have depth, depth at every position? Like, the, 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 we're not that good. <laughs> and you don't need to have depth at every position to be a 500 team, to be a play-in team. So now let's look, you know, at the point guard position, obviously Fox, Mitchell, and then Delvadova. That's really solid. I'm hoping that, you know, we see that leap from Davion that uh, we kind of saw at the end of last season, obviously still a defensive menace. One of my favorite players in the league, no doubt, because I just, I love watching him play defense. And then Delvado is just going to be the you know veteran presence, not going to expect anything from him. Uh, and then 
we need a big season from Fox, plain and simple, right? And the the spotlight's on him. But uh, moving on to the shooting guard, Herder. I love I I love Herder. He's gonna start uh, definitely. You know, there was a little debate over you know from Herder Monk, but I think it's gonna be Herder easily, and that's what we saw in the preseason. Better defensively than Monk. Fits better next to Fox defensively. Um. And I think Malik Monk is a really good sixth man, um, scoring and, and playmaking type six man. Although I was slightly disappointed with his preseason, not a big deal. But I think our third shooting guard, Terrence Davis, was actually better than Malik Monk. Um, and I'm not saying that you know Terrence Davis is going to be the second shooting guard and get minutes over Malik Monk. He's not, but he could get minutes. And if he could be a solid player, he, he could play small ball three, which I, I don't think would necessarily be a bad thing if he's playing well. Um, I've always liked Terrence Davis as a player. So I think that could be a nice surprise for the Kings, which, you know, we need. <laughs> always need that. Um, but yeah, uh, Monk... Like I said, I, I was slightly disappointed with his preseason, but I think he'll be fine um, coming off the bench as the sixth man. Moving on to small forward, definitely gets worse here. Barnes. He's Barnes, you know, it's fine. Not much to say there. And then I, you know, how I listed it, right, Chima Maneki is the only other small forward. Um... Which is, you know, I love my guy Chima, the UC Davis guy. You know, I watched him a bunch when he was at UC Davis. But he's not going to get very many minutes. I don't think he's ready to be a, you know, rotational NBA player. But I, I, I doubted him before. I didn't think he'd make the NBA. So I, I hope he proves me wrong. But, um, yeah, looking at the small forward position, it's definitely not deep. So I think you'll see some herder at the three. Like I said, you could see some Terrence Davis, small ball three. Herder's definitely better there because he's bigger. But And then you, know, you could see some Keegan at the three. Uh, and speaking of Keegan, if we move on to the power forward position, it'll be interesting to see who starts there once Keegan comes back, whether it'll be Keegan or Casey Akpala. Um uh, I'm fine with either, to be honest, because I don't think the minutes... Like, Keegan's all obviously going to get way more minutes than Casey Agpala, no matter what. And so I don't think it matter, matters who starts between them. If Casey fits better as a defensive guy in that starting lineup, then I think that's fine. With Keegan coming off the bench, maybe playing against other benches at first, at least in the first half and, and uh, improving there and growing as a rookie. And then the the other power forwards, Chimezi Metu and Trey Lyles. Uh, Trey Lyles is definitely not bad. Um, I don't think Chimezi Metu is going to get very many minutes. I, I, don't, I, I just don't think he's that great of a player, to be honest. I, I, he's not a good enough shooter to stay on the court while also not being a great defender 
and also not being able to create that much off the dribble, right? It's just like he just doesn't I think Trey Lyles gives more as that kind of third power forward. And when we're talking about the third power forward, like I think the third power forward is more important than like the third point guard because, you know, Keegan Murray or Casey Akpala might slide over to the three. So the third power forward actually might get more significant minutes than like the third string point guard, Del Vidova. Um, Moving on to center. Pretty strong here, obviously Sabonis and then Holmes are the two guys going to get all the minutes. I don't see Len getting any minutes <laughs> at all. And then um, Nemius Keita, obviously on the two ways there as well. He'll spend a lot of time in the G League because if Alex Len isn't getting any minutes, then neither is Keita. So he'll be in the G League. And the other two-way that I didn't mention, Keon Ellis. I do like Keon as a 3-and-D guy. Um, he, it might take some time to get him adapted to the NBA because he is a really... Um, he doesn't weigh a lot. He's small. But he, he, you know, he's got that dog in him. So he's a great defender. And if he can be a good three-point shooter, then he definitely has a place in this league. This season, we probably won't see much of him, though. So, just some G League minutes. Get him maybe a few you know, minutes in the NBA and see what he can be. But that's the roster. So, we can now uh, look at uh, the upcoming game for opening night on Wednesday. Blazers-Kings. Um, the starting five for the Kings, probably Fox. Uh, I think Herter's going to be back. He practiced. So I'd expect Herter and then Barnes, Kaziak Paula, and DeMontis Sabonis. Because Keegan won't be playing most likely because Mike Brown said if he doesn't practice, he won't play. And he didn't practice today. So he, we probably won't see him this game. Um, and Kaziak Paula might have started anyways, like I kind of talked about earlier, which I don't think is a big deal. But obviously not having Keegan for opening night is a it's really disappointing because obviously, you know, all the hype throughout um, the preseason and summer league and just the draft process in general. It, it's disappointing that at home, the home opener, we don't get to see him. But it's not a big deal. We got to move on, you know, and um, win the game, anyways, you know. Herder um, might see some backup small forward minutes in this game. I think it's really important that we don't aren't missing both Keegan Murray and Kevin Herter because we need Kevin Herter to play the backup three, and then we can slot Monk into the the two guard spot, and then Barnes can play the power forward. That's a probably our ending lineup. Maybe KZ is the ending lineup. I don't know. Obviously, it's the first game, so it's hard to know. But uh, moving on to the Blazers. They have a, you know, they have a solid starting lineup. The bench isn't great, though. Obviously, they have Dame, and Dame's the best player on the floor, obviously, in this game. And then Anthony Simons. People love Anthony Simons, but, I mean, he's a scorer, but that defensive backcourt is really bad. And um, I think he's slightly overrated. 
I think he's just a worse CJ McCollum. <laughs> they did get um, wing defensive help last year and this offseason in Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant, uh, which is really good for them. Like, that's they def- their starting lineup is definitely solid. Add Yusuf Nurkic, it's not bad. But can Yusuf Nurkic stay healthy and can he stay on the court? Because he's definitely lost mobility, which I think DeMontis Sabonis can absolutely punish in this game. You know, Sabonis and and Sabonis doesn't have to defend a mobile big, which is extremely important. Um, So yeah, honestly, very different teams when you're looking at it, I think, the Blazers versus Kings, because, you know, the Blazers definitely have a really good starting lineup and have the the wings... (laughs) the defensive and shooting wings and the Kings don't really Kings Kings have more depth than you know at the guard um but yeah the Blazers really don't have any depth at all to be honest but you know they have Dame and that's why they can be better than the Kings but uh, the Kings are favored going into this game you'd think right because we're at home and I think we have the better team so hopefully we'll we'll come away with the W in this one. You know, it's it's so hard to predict these games like going into the season, the first game of the season, because we really just don't know like how good is Jeremy Grant gonna be alongside Dame and Anthony Simons. Is Anthony Simons gonna be better? Like what is Narkic going to bring to this team? What's he gonna look like after, you know, injuries and 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 so it's just really hard to analyze this game, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I'll make a prediction. Just kind of kind of wing it. I'm going to say the Kings are going to win this game 119 to 112. I think it's going to be, you know, a higher scoring game. And uh, I'll make a, a season prediction for the Kings. I think the Kings are going to go 41 and 41 and make the play-in. And then... You know, I just gotta say, I think they'll they'll win the the play-in, and they'll get the eight seed. <laughs> I gotta, I just, I gotta say it. So, anyways, that uh, concludes my Kings season preview. Uh, remember, I'll be doing a live watch party on YouTube for the game if you want to swing by on uh, on Wednesday night. Also, after the the Kings game on Wednesday, I will be doing a post-game podcast. I don't know if that'll be up Wednesday night or if it'll be up sometime on Thursday. I'm not sure, but at some point that's going to go up, so make sure to check that out. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell. And uh, if you're listening to the audio podcast somewhere else, do whatever you do to podcast, rate it, whatever it is. I don't know what you do, cause I did, yeah, I never do it, but you should do it. Rate it, leave a review, whatever it is. Anyways, thanks for uh, for listening to the Royal Report podcast, and I will see you guys later. Peace.